morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 8718 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network wherever you are. This is The Breakfast Show. Positively different radio in the morning with Lyle and Mon, who is uh, choking over there and Having trying a, to get a her... a small coughing fit. <coughs> but not, not to worry, because there is an endless supply of hot chocolate, free hot chocolate here at Jindabyne, so I've managed to get... Are we pa- still at Jindabyne? <laughs> Physically, while we're recording this, yes. When it airs, very likely we'll be back in Newcastle and I'll be dreaming about that hot chocolate supply. Sorry, what? <laughs> <laughs> Mine's getting distracted. I was in a river here. of hot chocolate floating down a dreamy... Okay, never mind. Um, <laughs> this is indeed uh, the delayed broadcast. There is this broadcast. thing called you know, sugar and you know, we could talk no, about... No, no, it's um, just straight hot chocolate with um, hot water. Yes, I like it dark, uh, dark yeah, and zesty. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I didn't add any. I didn't add any sugar. This is one who was on a like a juice diet for like. This is a delayed broadcast, and uh, we are broadcasting our final morning from Jindabyne. Uh, we'll be heading back to the uh, Newcastle studio this weekend. We were very much missing this place, of course. Uh, as It'd be nice d- to get back to the warmer weather. It's been, yeah, it's been yeah. cold, but yeah, it's actually, been fresh. You know it's what? so just, clear and fresh down here. I was just examining my hands and they are, the skin is starting to get a bit ashy, so I either need to moisturise or get back to the warm. Um, but yeah, we are we are no longer alive with our holiday giveaway that's uh, wrapped up now for all our listeners. So yes. we do announce that at the end of this show, however, so it's a very exciting time. Absolutely. There's nothing more fun than giving away prizes, I tell you what. We have a great show coming up for you today. We have a, our interviewee. He's German. We almost did the entire interview in German and just left Lyle the day. Dark. Except I banned them from doing it. I quoted the Bible. <laughs> Which so is funny considering... Show, Lyle quotes from the Bible. Considering uh, what I discussed in my good news segment today about getting left in the dark language-wise. So, yeah. And I'm going to be talking about Mon's favourite thing. It's, it's not my favourite thing, Lyle. <laughs> it's just something I struggle with being a breakfast show host occasionally. We're going to be talking about sleep. <laughs> how to get good sleep, how to get the best kind of sleep, how much you need sleep, mm, how very important uh, stuff. all the kind of uh, physical problems you get if you don't get sleep. And mental problems, yeah. I think that fresh air contributes to sleeping well. Fresh air is... Uh, That's probably why I sleep well. Of, lots of fresh air up here. Always sleep with the window open, even in the... Dead of winter. Yes, mm-hmm. you do. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we've got all that and much more coming up um, on today's show. Um, we've got a we've got a, que- a question of the day with a difference. Yes, indeed, we do. So we had uh, we had live Q and A down in the uh, one of Justin Norman's meetings in the Grey Nomads uh, presentations downstairs. He's been doing some amazing presentations on the Book of Romans. He was doing live Q and A, and we recorded some of it. We found some, we found that we we noticed that we had a recording of it. And we thought, you know what. Let's play We're that going thing. to give you a cue of the day of a difference, mm-hmm. and so uh, we have a cue of the day coming up on the gift of tongues that uh, we'll be presenting in the next show. But right now, stay tuned. Lots of great programming coming your way. Alas, and did my savior bleed? Did my sovereign die? Would he? That sacred head Someone such as I At the cross, at the cross Where I first saw light The burden of my heart rolled away And it was there by faith I received my sight
you're listening to and a weather up with at the cross here on faith fm and as we kick off the breakfast show mon have you got a clue for our quiz and we'll to see whether any of our live audience our grey nomad live audience we have here in jindabyne can figure out the answer to this one so yes one of the special things about doing our program uh this pop-up radio studio here in jindabyne is that we have managed to wrangle a live studio audience which is so much fun i'm really enjoying having people here I'm going to give you the first okay, clue. Okay, so, so, so guys, live audience, if you know the answer, don't call it out. Put your hand up Just first. Put your hand up. That's right. It's like a classroom. Yeah. Put your hand up. Good kids. Actually, my, my new story this morning is about classrooms. Okay, this is a Who Am I quiz. And the first clue, this is almost like a moderately hard. So, Who Am I? First clue, I feared that if Idonija were king, my son and I would be treated as criminals. Mm. Mm. Any guesses? Anyone putting their hand up? No. Lyle, do you know who it is? I know who it is. You do? Mm-hmm. I want to see you write that down. All right. <laughs> Lyle always reckons he knows who it is. <laughs> <coughs> yeah, not always, but I know who this one is. Okay, yeah, you got it. You got to stop writing. <laughs> Lyle knows who it is. Give us a call if you think you know who it is and you'll win a prize. You can give us a call on 1-800-FAITH-FM. It's 1-800-324-843. But more importantly... Make sure you give us a call on that same number. Give us your details. We have about an hour and 50 minutes left before we draw the... We can call them back and tell them they've won a holiday to Gingerbine. Okay? Okay. All That's right. a challenge. Because like, we sometimes yeah, yeah. forget. We, we always forget. We forget we lots have, of... It's the breakfast a, show. We yeah. forget everything. We, but, but we give away so much stuff that we forget. Yeah. It's true. Okay. Right. okay. We won't forget today. We won't forget today. Not today. Not today, forgetfulness. Lyle. Yes. I never in my wildest dreams thought I would ever be telling you about this news story that I'm about to tell you about now. Uh, me either. <laughs> Lyle. <laughs> Do you know what the UN just released this week? The United Nations. I have um, no idea. They released a report saying that the hole in the ozone layer is healing. Now, that's a story I didn't ever expect to hear. I, I thought that thing was like a permanent situation and we could only stop it from getting worse. I didn't know we could actually fix it. Are we actually fixing it or is this well, just a cycle I, of nature? Like I am a little bit dubious. Yeah, I'm very sceptical that we're still the fixing it I guess, because yeah. we're not putting less pollution into the atmosphere than what we were. Well, I mean, it says here in 1987 they made an agreement known as the Montreal Protocol which called for elimination of or significant reduction of chemicals found in consumer products like refrigerators and aerosol cans um, that were harmful to the ozone layer. I actually remember that. that mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. I remember yeah, I remember that. When I was a kid there was this big push to stop using like aerosols and cans and stuff. And, uh, and they said that ditching the chemicals would, would result in the avoidance of more than 280 million cases of skin cancer and uh, approximately 1.6 million skin cancer deaths and more than 47 cancers of cataracts uh, in the U.S. alone uh, by the end of the century. So that was from the U.S. Department of State. That's pretty impressive. That is very impressive. Um, so the, the treaty was in 87. It was ratified in the U.S. in 88. And then the rest of the world, of course, followed suit. Well, most of us. And, uh, and they, they reckon it's working. And do you know what? They reckon that the whole thing could be totally healed by the by the 2060s. So what is it now? It's like 2018. So we like might, 40 we, years. We'll live to see that, Mon. I might. I, I don't know about you. The Lord but I might. <laughs> what do you mean you don't know about me? What's that supposed to mean? Well, of course, like I'll, a if the Lord doesn't me. come, I will live to see that. Yeah, but th- this is a good news. We definitely might uh, live to see it because it said in some areas of the world it could be as soon as 2030, which is only 10 years away. Hopefully it heals in Tasmania first. The sun down there will yeah, just about take your yeah. skin off. I remember the I remember one of the first times I went to Tasmania. I was I was in Sydney and I, I spoke to a Tasmanian and he said to me, 
don't come back a lobster. Everyone goes to Taz thinking they're going to be safe because, you know, it's a bit colder and it's cloudy. <laughs> and they think, oh, I'm fine. And they That's all get sunburned. <clears throat> and I thought, yeah, yeah, whatever. I had sunburned here in Jindabyne yesterday. We had a top temperature of, what was it, 12, 13? Yeah, yeah. But it was bright and sunny. It was bright and sunny yesterday in Jindabyne, even though it was cool. Whereas in Taz, it's like, it's not, it's, it's like overcast, right? And then you still end oh, up being still, sunburned. Yeah, yeah, just, oh, yeah. the sun down there. It, um, it Merciless. Will, it will you. Merciless. Anyway, so that, that's really It never used to be like that when I was a kid growing up. Oh, yeah? It just no, got worse. I never, never wore sun, sunscreen in my life as a kid growing up. Never even thought about it. That, how interesting could it be that one day if we'll be talking like to, to our kids and our grandkids about the time that was a hole in the ozone layer and they'd be like what are you talking about gramps <laughs> isn't that isn't it doesn't boggle your mind to think of it like that it does a bit yeah. yeah yeah well it's good to see that something is uh improving and going backwards uh some some bad thing that is going backwards and be actually becoming better well they reckon it's thanks to um to mankind's effort to reduce the amount of ods which is ozone depleting substances hmm. so yeah and you know, good on them, but uh, yeah, I do remain dubious about it. I mean, we're still so big into animal agriculture, which is, in my opinion, well, it's not in my opinion, it's scientifically proven to be the worst. Well, a hole in the ozone layer is only just one environmental factor. Yeah, that's right. You know, this is this is not the be all and the end all of fixing all environmental issues by any stretch of the imagination. It's not it's not doing dealing with it's stopping skin cancer for sure, but it's not going to change climate climate change. Yeah, it's actually. Do you know what it says here? It's the uh, it's the ozone hole that's above the Antarctic, which has diminished in size and depth since the year two thousand. There you go. So, well, that's the I one that extends up over Tassie, so might uh, continue I, reducing I and stay down over Antarctica. Because, like, if nineteen eighty seven all the way up to two thousand, they didn't notice any change. Then suddenly two thousand, we have changed. Maybe it was the kids. Because you know how kids these days they're much more. Um, uh, environmentally aware because it's well, hammered into the The thing that, does, that, that does my head is, is, is you're developing countries like, you know, you're, you're big developing countries like India mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and you're big industrial countries like China and these guys have like zero interest in the environment and, you know, what we do here in Australia has basically zero effect compared to, uh, you, know, you know, if you compare it to what happens there. And it's like, really? We're doing that well? But hey, Good on us. Yeah. Pat on the back, everyone, and keep yep. it up. <laughs> yep. I have another really cool story for you, Lyle. Mm-hmm. This one, oh, I'm so excited about this. I don't know why. So, you know how, you know, often we have immigrants that come into, into countries like, the, you know, Australia, the US, England, and so forth. And then, um, you know, they don't necessarily speak English, but they have to start sending their kids to English-speaking schools, obviously, where the kids learn English. They do all their homework in English. And it actually creates, like, a language barrier in the home. I don't know if you've exp- I've experienced this because, you know, m- my parents came from Germany. Um, my dad in particular n- never really learnt English until he came here. You know, my brother and I, English all the time at school. And so th- there was a bit of a language barrier. And I-, I know it hurts my father a little bit when my brother and I will sit at the breakfast table and we'll just like blah, 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 really fast English and he can't follow it because it's, it's too fast for him. And so... If, I think your dad's English is great. I find that really surprising. His, his anyway. English is great. He's just a little bit... He, he lacks some self-confidence in that department. So, yeah, he, he's, he just has a heavy accent, but his English is really good. 
Um, and I think sometimes he has a hard time understanding when they <coughs> people like me mumble and talk fast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, the, the only radio host <laughs> presenter who mumbles. <laughs> so I'm really hoping that this program that they're offering in the States comes to Australia because a hundred schools across uh, the country in, in America has started to tackle this combat, um, combat this, uh, this issue. And what they're doing is they're now not only teaching the kids, they're now teaching immigrant parents and guardians. So they're doing uh, 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 evening classes essentially – uh, in English and teaching them basically, you know, because teaching kids and teaching adults is different, even if the uh, what they're learning is the same. They're learning how to speak English and how to read and write. But what they're finding is that the results are absolutely incredible, like just staggering, like not just for the person, you know, learning English, but for the kid's future and uh, and. Oh, listen, listen to this, right? So the parents and gran- grandparents become more involved in the school community itself, right? Mm-hmm. They're more inclined to engage um, their children in homework and in academically related conversations. The kids then go on to get higher test scores. The parents land better jobs as a result of the program. And both kids and parents are more likely to pursue higher levels of education, resulting in um, better jobs and quality of life. So it's just win, 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 win it's all day win all long. It's And win, I, win. I must tell you that we haven't thought about this before. Well, it seems the obvious thing to do, yeah. doesn't it? It's like, that's just... Like- yeah, it's, it seems really obvious. And uh, and so, like, for example, there's a, a Y-Abi Al-Khafai. I'm so sorry. <laughs> he was a student in the program and she is a mother of six. Uh, they struggled with, she struggled with her English since moving to California from Yemen 15 mm-hmm. years ago. And with the help of her instruction, uh, instructors, she can now participate in English-driven conversations with her kids. And she says, when they talk to each other, I understand what they say. Before, I could not understand what they were saying. And I think this is one of the travesties of, of immigration and particularly refugee uh, immigration is, uh, is the, the lack of communication that's as a result of the two uh, languages in the one home. I think communication between family is so important and then to suddenly throw another language <coughs> and a <coughs> barrier in the, uh, in the mix is, is pretty sad. So this is, I think this, this program is incredible and I, I really, really want to see this happen in Australia because we have such a huge melting pot of cultures here and we have such a huge, you know, huge number of immigrants. I would, and a lot of people complain like, oh, they don't speak English. This would be a great way of fixing that problem too. Absolutely, would be. This is The Remnant uh, with tradition. Edition here on Faith FM. In the Holy Bible, it tells of a day when the beast will rule among us. And many shall fall away Famine, war and desolation Nation rising against nation Trouble everywhere you turn Cause in the time of Noah In the days before the flood The love of many will wax cold And streets will run with blood Rape, murder, grief and sorrow Just like Sodom and Gomorrah This world's gonna The end times are upon us, and of that there is no doubt. Get your mind out of the world, take your Bible off the shelf, read the book of Revelation for yourself. Tribulation, we're all gonna be here. Tribulation, 
When that flaming star comes down Tribulation When the seven seals are broken And the seven vows are open And seven trumpets sound the remnant with tradition here on faith fm a song to get you all woken up this morning and of course we have another clue coming up for our quiz and yes. see if, if uh, any of our live audience of uh, gray nomads here this morning can get the clue from get the quiz from the second clue no? time to wake up their brains hey maybe that we can get them to show us some of those exercise moves i, 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 I see learning. some people over here pulling out their screens and i'm wondering whether there's a little bit of cheating going on <laughs> ah <laughs> been sprung no googling okay who am i clue number two a donija wanted me to try and get the okay from the king for him to marry abishag this resulted in Adonijah's death. Bam, bam, bam. Any guesses? Any hands? Oh, we're going to hand up. We're going to hand up. Okay. Can we come over up. the microphone? You got, is a hand up over here in the corner? Oh, no. Oh. She's just scratching her head. Just scratching okay, her just head. Scratching. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to hand up there. All right. We'll have to wait and see for the next, the next clue. Someone to see if someone can get it in the next clue. 
Anyway, Mon, I'm going to talk about one of your favourite things this morning. Oh, really? Yes. I'm all excited about what you think my favourite thing is. Sleep. Oh, <laughs> Lyle. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Go on. All right. So, um, actually, there's a few different things here. It, there's some um, very new research coming out, um, and, and I know we talk about this fairly regularly, mm. um, but once again, it is coming out again, and the research is getting so powerful uh, in relationship to sleep and screens and depression and the relationship between them that um, now guess what part of American society has the lowest screen use amongst their children? Wait, say that again. The- Guess what part of American mm-hmm. society has the lowest screen use, allows the, the least amount of screen use amongst their children? Is it like the Amish or something? No, it's the engineers in Silicon Valley. <gasps> Are you serious? Because yeah, they're the ones who know just how dangerous it is. Oh, that gives me the heebie Yeah, and, and there's a story here about, uh, you know, just, just taking one example of, uh, of one of these engineers and they only allow their kids to use screens on road trips or in the aeroplane. That's it. That's freaky, man. That's like yeah. that's like when you have a friend who's a pharmacist and refuses to take any kind of painkillers. It makes me kind of wonder. It's <laughs> a true story, by the way. But yeah, that's uh, that's alarming. Yeah, it is a little bit. It, uh, it's like whoa, when you know, because these are the guys that are the uh, are the closest, um, and they are also the wariest. The closest so, to the technology. So they don't let the kids use it ever, except for in road trips and airplanes. What about like a school? I'm sure like, don't schools utilize screens all the time now? Yeah, but they're not allowed to use them at home. Okay, okay. It's, it's home That's use. fair enough. And uh, um, here in Australia, um, researcher Dr. Sarah uh, Blunden made this statement. She said, sleep is the foundation of all mental and physical health. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And sometimes I think that, you know, out of the eight laws of health, sleep is the one that gets looked over, overlooked a lot, yeah, um, and we focus in on things like diet and exercise, mm-hmm. and sleep is at the foundation of all of it. And you sleep know, is a could, fantastic healer, yeah, for yeah, both. And, and people trying, and trying, to, trying to lose weight or trying to, uh, um, you know, get healthier and fitter and all these kind of things, which is which is good through diet and exercise, but you can undermine it all by not getting enough sleep. Mm-hmm. Do you know? I, I want to tell you something, maybe a bit horrible, Lyle. <laughs> Because I actually had a very similar conversation just yesterday. So um, my friends and I, we're, we're single. And so when we talk about boys, which is a lot, uh, and we <laughs> talk about what we do and don't want in a guy, uh, one of the things that actually is on the list um, is his sleeping patterns. Uh, so yesterday uh, there was a guy um, <laughs> who is, you know, pretty cute and he's pretty funny. Um, but he, he acknowledged that he has, uh, you know, he, he – He's often up at midnight and eating and just has really terrible sleeping patterns. Is a total night owl, likes to sleep in all morning. And I, and I was like, for me, that's a massive red flag. Yeah, because you're just setting yourself up to get married to someone who's going to suffer from depression. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and that's gonna, a pretty heavy thing to yeah. and de- de- dealing with. And they often, marriage. there's lots of studies that prove that when you feel married to someone with depression or, or you're living with someone with depression, um, you often end up going down the same route. Like it's, it's, it's you not have a like exactly life, contagious, but you it, it sort of life. affects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so for me, like I don't, I don't. Re- I want to have a happy, healthy life, and I, like, you know, avoiding mental health issues is is you know, is a pretty good, pretty good path to take. And so, it's actually really important to us, to, yeah. yeah, to people. So. This is this is such a big. This is becoming such a big issue that in Australia they are currently conducting a parliamentary uh, inquiry into the amount of sleep that Australians have, mm-hmm. um, and trying to calculate the cost to the nation. Wow. And really what this comes down to is, you know, what is it actually costing? What is all this screen time actually costing our nation just in sleep deprivation? Um, four out of ten Australians do not get enough sleep. 
Um, and of course, that uh, significantly shortens life expectancy. 16% of Australians are shift workers. Now, that's one of those areas where you know it's not so much affected to screens and, and, and these kind of things, but it's a you know it's it's a part of you know, necessity because we have to have shift workers. But uh, it definitely impacts the health of the country as. Um, a whole, but the biggest thing that they have noticed that the, the inquiry has discovered so far, the biggest thing that is affecting sleep patterns is FOMO. Oh, really? Yeah. FOMO is and, and FOMO is costing our nation massive amounts of money. For those of you who don't know what FOMO is, it's an acronym. It stands for Fear of Missing Out. And here on Faith FM, we have been promoting JOMO. The joy of missing switch out. Switch off the electronic <laughs> devices. Come to Grey Nomads and switch them all off, except for when you are listening to The Breakfast Show in the morning That's right. on the TuneIn app. When you're out rolling around the country, driving your caravans. Okay, so research from Norway, they did research, uh, they had 10,000 participants there. They found that uh, screen time of more than four hours per day, mm-hmm. um, so that includes work, uh, resulted in three, time, three and a half times the likelihood of sleep of less than five hours per night. Really? And of course, you know, as adults, we need to get, you know, seven to nine hours somewhere in that range mm-hmm. of sleep. We're creating ourselves into ticking bombs, aren't we? Yeah. And it's oh, yeah. no wonder that our kids these days have so much trouble with anxiety. Uh, 49%, um, 49% of people who um, had more than four hours of screen time per day uh, needed more than 60 minutes to fall asleep. Oh, that's a long time to lie there. Yeah, that's a long time laying in bed just, uh, you know, with Staring your mind you know, turning over. I asked my wife how long it takes me to go to sleep and I think she exaggerated. <laughs> uh, but she's shaking her said, she said two seconds. <laughs> No, I think she's exaggerating. I think it takes me longer than that. But, um, you know, if you've got good sleep patterns and if you've got regularity, you can fall asleep, fall asleep, you know. But I guess it's also a trap. Like if it takes you an hour to fall asleep, like who wouldn't after a while get bored and reach for their phone again? Exactly. And And this is one of the things that the research is bringing out. Mm -hmm. It's the vicious cycle. So you get teens who have FOMO. So they take their their device to bed so that they can. um, And the worst thing that you can do is either play a game or message people at night. Yeah. Uh, the best thing you can do is read off a screen, but that still is not healthy at all. Mm-hmm. Reading off a screen, you've got the blue light, you've got the bright light, and your body gaze goes into daytime mode mm-hmm. because of the light that's going in through your eyes. Um, so if you if you have to read from a tablet at night and you can't read from a book, um, there's nothing like a traditional book with paper and ink. Yeah. <laughs> um, those things still do exist. But if you have to read from a screen... Switch the colors so that the background goes to black and the lettering goes to white. Okay. Yeah, and it'll make a big difference. Do you know, when I first got a phone, like I thought, I don't know, I don't know what my mind was thinking, but I thought to myself, I have to keep it on all the time and I have to keep it next to my head when I sleep because what happens if there's an emergency or someone is like, you know, (laughs) depressed and wants to kill themselves and and I'm the person they call, I have to be there to take the call. And so I'd never switch my phone off. I always had it on, always had it on loud, always had it next to the bed. And in like, what, the 20 years that I've had a phone, that's never happened. <laughs> it's only in recent. Mon, some of us, some of us here, and I think I think in our live audience, there are a few of us here who can remember the days before mobile phones. Yeah. when there was actually this thing that was down the hallway, uh-huh. sitting on the wall in the kitchen, in the kitchen somewhere <laughs> that used to used to have a uh, a metal bell inside of it that used to actually vibrate. I and remember ring. those, Lyle. You do? I remember even the little dial-up ones where if you stuffed it up, you have to hang up a side again. <laughs> but actually, speaking of Your sleep... Your parents own a museum or something. You, like know the, you know the famous story about Ariana Huffington, right? No. 
So you know, you know Huffington Post. Is oh yes, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. Yes, yes. So she she ended up having a breakdown, um, a sleep deprivation related breakdown because she was just working so hard, and so she started researching into the benefits of sleep, and she was so so profoundly moved by what she what she discovered that at her at her business, the Huffington Post, a newspaper, mm-hmm. um, they created special sleep pod rooms, and so her staff they're expected to get good sleep because she's seen the results of you know productivity levels going up, uh, positivity in the, in the office going up, you know. A better work culture as a result of sleep. So she encourages yeah, major, them to Big take businesses naps. don't do this unless they get a financial return. That's it. That's exactly it. So, yeah. yeah. They're getting a return on investment right there. Um, you can guarantee that. Um, in the United States, the uh, United States Academy of Pediatrics has been recommending no screen, including TV screens, in the bedroom. And they've been recommending that since 2004. This is, some of this is quite old research. Yeah, that is. And, of course, lack of sleep is, in, involved, is uh, related to anxiety, depression, uh, weight gain, uh, reduced immunity, high blood pressure, and heart disease, amongst other uh, issues. We could go on. This I got pages of, of material. I'm going to have to put up a two cents on this so I can I present all of the research that I have. But uh, right now, we're going to listen to Bart Millard with "I Only um, Imagine." I can only imagine what it will be like when I walk. By your side I can only imagine What my eyes will see When your face Is before me I can only imagine I can only Oh, my. 
can only imagine when all I will do is forever, forever worship you. I can only imagine I can only imagine You're listening to Bart Millard with I Can Only Imagine here on Faith FM and Mon, do we have another clue for our quiz? We've still yes. got uh, we've still got a little bit of our audience. Most of our audience is uh, heading down for uh, morning worship here at Grey Nomads. But uh, Helen, don't go anywhere. Just stay there. You might get the clue this time. Clue number three. Who am I? I am the mother of Solomon. Okay. Any hands going up? The mother of Solomon. The mother of Solomon. Mother I can see some. I can see some 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 gears churning there. Oh. I think it's still out there. I think, <laughs> I, think we, I think there is still a prize available for all of our listeners. So give us a call. 1-800-324-843 is our number. Or text us on 491 And, of course, don't forget to enter our Alpine Holiday Giveaway. We are giving away two holidays during this show. Text your name and number to 0491 or just call us on 1-800-FAITH-FM. Give us your details. We might be calling you back at the end of the show with two Alpine Holiday Giveaways. Last chance, guys. Last chance. Now, joining us today on the show is Mike Faber. Mike, welcome to the show. Oh, let's get Mike's microphone switched on. Mike's mic is now on. <laughs> good morning, live. <laughs> hey, Mike, it's great to have you on the show today. Thank you. And uh, we wanted to talk to you about. You've had a very adventurous life. You've been been you, you've lived in and worked in many different parts of the world. And that's right. Um, God has taken you on quite a journey. So we wanted to hear about that journey. But where does where does your journey actually start? It started in Germany. I was born there many moons ago. Mm-hmm. And um, that's where so you, you and Mon can uh, rattle away. Yeah, that's, right, that's right. Yeah, maybe we should do this whole interview in German, Lyle, and just leave you out of it. Kein Problem. Yeah, kein Problem. Let's make that. I think. I think. Is, is, does, isn't there somewhere in the Bible that says if people are going to speak in tongues, there needs to be interpreter? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so we uh, won't do it then. <laughs> we won't hurt you. All right. Lyle. So it starts in Germany. And, uh, and uh, what kind of a home did you grow up in? A Christian home? Or? It was a Christian home, yes. My dad and mom, they, yeah, they were Christians. When my dad came back from war, uh, he saw terrible things uh, happening there. And then when he met my mom, they were on the dance floor. And uh, so he decided, well, when am I going to get married? What's happening? What am I? And so he was looking into religion, looking into God, and uh, became a Christian, committed, married my mom, and I grew up in a God-fearing family. So your dad was not a Christian uh, before nominal. Before the nominal, war. Okay, nominal yes, he, yeah. I th- he said he lost his faith at the war when he saw this gruesome stuff, and he was asking if there's a God, how can he allow all this happening? Mm, that's right, and one of the most relevant yeah, questions yeah. that anyone can ask, really. Yeah. And if you don't have a a reasonable answer to that question, then you really have no reason for a faith at all. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, a good good question for question of the day. We haven't done that one for a while. Yeah. It does come up every now and then. Maybe we should put that one in, Mon, yeah. because it's one that needs to be answered on a regular I think it's basis. A great question. Yeah. Um, okay. So your mum, your mum came from Christian background, that kind of thing, or not? Yeah. Yes. Or no. Nominal. Same thing. Nominal. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. How did they actually find God for themselves personally? Um, I don't really know. They haven't told me exactly. I only know from my dad. Uh, my mom, when my dad found God. 
he was very keen to start a church in the little village where we grew up. And uh, so my mom, being part of it, got roped in, I suppose, and uh, learned yep. more about God through my dad, and then they became committed. And, and that's really how the Bible talks about it, yes. isn't it? You know, when spouses, uh, one spouse is committed and the other is not, you know, just to win them by your yep. righteous living. Praise God. Fantastic. This is, so this is the home that you're born into then. Yes. yes. And, uh, and so what about for you? Was there a point in your life where you made a personal commitment to God? Yeah, I would say there were two steps, actually, because growing up in a, in a Christian home um, and we believed in, in adult baptism, um, I always knew it was the right thing to do. And at the age of 12, uh, one of my friends got baptized and I felt it was the time to get baptized with him. And I remember um, he forgot to tell me and I was at his baptism. I cried like a little baby and wanted to get baptized. And shortly after, I was baptized as well. Uh, and so I, I lived my life in this in this Christian church. Um, it, it was more like I was doing the right thing sure. um, every day. But uh, I think the deep conversion experience only happened far later when I decided or when God actually called me to be a pastor. And uh, I was about 19, 19 years old at the time. I was uh, in my dorm, in the dorm room. I was alone. My, my roommate hasn't come yet. And my, my girlfriend had broken up with me shortly before. Uh, my parents were not there. It was the first time I was really on my own somewhere. And uh, I stood there at the window at night, and I was so lonely and so desperate, and I was shouting into, into the sky, God, where are you? And, and that was shocking to me at the same time because I realized I didn't really know him. I, I, I realized that my relationship with God was really going through my parents, through my church, through the pastor, through the religious things that we were doing. And that night I realized unless, unless I want to be, if, if I want to be a pastor, I really need to know this God. And so I decided that my formality had to change in, in building up my own relationship. What I did, I started my worships in the morning and evenings. I got up earlier, half an hour, 45 minutes every day. And really developed that relationship with God. And I believe that at the age of 19, my real conversion experience actually happened. Mm, mm. And I think this is a fairly common story for a lot of us. Mm. You know, I can relate to that as well, being baptized as a young person. But, you know, you've got that childlike faith, which is very connected to your parents' faith. Yep. And it's a good thing. It, it builds a good foundation, but it, uh, it's, it's not a substitute. And if it never matures into a, an adult faith, it really, it really exactly. never goes any. Now, I'm just uh, assuming that you're in. Uh, West Germany, would that be right? Because this is back I was when, in West Germany. Yeah, yes, this is back when the two, yeah. the two countries were yeah. di- divided yeah. and it would have been harder, I would imagine, to be a Christian in East Germany? Yeah, yeah it was very difficult. They did have no religious freedom and it was, was, yeah, I wouldn't say persecution, but they couldn't freely, freely do it. Sure, yeah. Mm. Okay. All right, so you've got this calling yeah. um, to ministry and you've found God for yourself where does that where does that journey take you? Because uh, yeah, you've 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 had an interesting you, know, you give your life to God and adventure is coming your way. That's Absolutely all I can right. say. I know it that that's how ex- it worked for me. It was an exciting life, and I mean, I have no time to share all the, the different stations. But it took me around took me around the world from Germany. Uh, God called me to Africa, and that in itself wasn't amazing. And maybe I should just share this one. I was. I, I was studying psychotherapy in between. I had a call to to Indonesia to work as a missionary. That was cancelled due to problems in the country. And so I said, God, what do you want me to do? And and I found that I had to study psychotherapy, which I was doing. I loved counseling. And um, so there, at the end of my, my studies, I said to God, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do with my life now? And um, so... I had prayed, I'd fasted for one week and said, God, give me the answer by the end of the week. So it was Saturday afternoon and uh, three o'clock and my phone rings. And there, there's this young man on the phone who just said to me, hi, Mike, 
Um, he didn't say his name. I said, who are you? He didn't tell me. He said, hi, Mike. Are you still willing to immigrate? I said, who are you? What do you want? <laughs> he said, That's a um, random question. <laughs> yeah. So you're still willing to immigrate? I said, yeah, well, what's the problem? He said, well, go to South Africa. That's the place where the Lord wants you to go. I said, how do you know that I've been praying that God should tell me this afternoon or by the end of the day what I should do with my life? He said, I've got no idea what you prayed for, but I'm Stan and, and, I, and you were my pastor in Nuremberg many years ago and I remember you wanted to go to Asia. And here's a woman from South Africa. They're looking for a pastor to start a German church in Somerset West. And we have been praying that God gives us the right name in our mind and your name came in my mind. So are you willing to go? I said, yes, I am, because I've asked the Lord to give me the answer at the end of the day. And so my life carried on from there, always the same way. I always asked God for, for signs. I always asked him to guide me, and he did. And it took me from South Africa after 14 years to Bermuda Islands. Uh, interesting story okay, so, there as well. So, so how, how do you, I, I, I need to know, I need <laughs> to know the jump. answer to this question. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a big jump, but how do, you, how do you get a call to paradise? Because you know, once, once I learn the answer to this one, I think I might set one up for okay. myself. No, be, be careful what you ask for. Uh, I was standing in Johannesburg. I'm going I'm to I'm ask God for a call to paradise and he's going to send me yeah, to go ahead, um, do that. You know, the Arctic or somewhere. <laughs> but you might not want to do it when he calls you. You see, what happens was I, I, in South Africa, 14 years, I ended up in Johannesburg after many other jobs in different places. I was youth director in Johannesburg looking after the young people for a, for a large organization. And um, so I, it was a rainy day. I was standing at the window uh, looking out and I said to God, <laughs> if I would ever get a call to the Bahamas or the Bermudas, I would accept it right away. I, it, it, was, it, it was a bit of desperation. It was cold, it was freezing and I, uh, I was looking out the window. And, and 14 days later, a man whom I had called a number of times to, to South Africa to be a speaker for youth events uh, got in touch with me and he said, hey, Mike, um, we're looking for a good guy in the Bermuda Islands with multicultural experience. Uh, would you want to come? And I, I, my first reaction was no. And then I, an island, little place. And then I thought, but I did say, didn't you, I? You did say. You did say. <laughs> yeah, and so it carried on from Bermuda. We, we went to Switzerland. I got a call over there and then from Switzerland, interesting thing, we, we went to Australia and I hadn't even applied. It was a friend of mine, Terry, who, who, who took my, my resume, handed it in and after four weeks I had a call to, um, to uh, Australia and, and this was interesting too. I don't know if you've got time to share that one, but I, I said to God, um, you know, if you really want me to go, um, you know, this, this comes out of the blue a little bit, um, I, I need this confirmation and, and I said, God, you need to tell my boys who were about nine and 10 or something at the time in Switzerland, who just moved continents, I mean, a few yeah. times. You need to tell my boys without them knowing that, that, you, that I'm called, uh, that they come to me and say, Dad, we would like to immigrate to Australia. Can't you apply to work in Australia? Now, they had no idea, no clue that I, I had hand, or this was handed in for me, this, um, this application. So, so wait, 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 wait. Just, just back up here. So yeah. you've got a friend, Terry, right? Yes, Terry. Right. So he's an Aussie. Yeah, he met this woman in Bermuda, which is crazy, online. And there's a whole long story in itself. And okay, they so met he, up. So, so there's, a t there's Terry in Australia who has an yeah, online yeah, relationship yeah, exactly. with a woman to in Helen, Bermuda. Yeah. They get married. Yeah, they get married. You meet Terry. Yes. You go to Switzerland. Yes. Terry gets They come your, and visit me in Switzerland. <laughs> Terry hands your, 
<laughs> yes. your resume in yes, here without right. asking you. He said, hey, mate, you would fit into Australia. I said, ah, they don't want me over there. Ah, give me your resume. And he took my resume in a sermon and that was it then. I just had a light bulb moment about who <laughs> Helen and Terry might be. <laughs> are they Helen and Terry from Maitland Church? Absolutely right, <laughs> yes. Might be Her- Terry and Helen who are here at uh, Is that Helen sitting behind you now? <laughs> Absolutely. There she is sitting. Good friends of ours. <laughs> All right, so this, this, this okay, so then, then you've, you've, you've taken it to the Lord like, you know, and your kids know nothing about this. They know nothing about it. I have no idea. I've not, not told them. My wife didn't say anything. And then there was a minister's retreat. We were all supposed to go. Daniel, my oldest one, is sick. He can't come. So I go with Marcel, the youngest one, having a great weekend. And Daniel watches sport on Saturday evening. And on sports, on the sports show, they show about Australia that the boys ride motorbikes at the age of nine and ten. And he said, Mom, is that true? She said, I don't know. Why didn't you phone Uncle Terry? So he phones Terry in, in Australia and Terry says, hey, mate, that's true. They're riding motorbikes in Australia. It's cool. You guys should come. And then Daniel says to his mom, Mom, I, I want Dad to apply to go to Australia. I can't be good oh, Australia. Wow. And she says, you know what? You better tell your brother when he comes home. So we get back and his brother, they come home. He, he doesn't talk to me takes his brother, goes to the bedroom, and after about five, ten minutes, both boys come to me and said, Dad, we would love you to apply to work in Australia. We would love to immigrate to Australia. And I thought, how cool is that, God? These boys wow. knew nothing. And so anybody telling me there is no God, they must be joking. Yeah. I mean, how can these boys say this? There is so much coincidence that happened about this. And so I knew for sure God wanted me here, and we love it in Australia. It's a great place and to be, the best place to be. And who says that God doesn't like motorbikes? Eh? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> how long have you been here now for? Uh, it's 12 years now. And your boys have been riding motorbikes, I'm taking it? Oh, uh, yeah. The youngest one, mainly, he was doing great jumps and stunts and crazy stuff. The oldest one is a bit more careful. Um, so, but they love it here. They well, must yeah. have been so thrilled. You know how sometimes when you're a kid, you go ask your parents for something. You, you were like, "They'll never give it to me, <laughs> but I'll give it a shot." <laughs> Can you imagine, like, yeah, asking yeah. your parents, "Can we move to Australia?" And your parents go, "Yeah, okay." <laughs> okay. We do it. We were waiting for the answer. On it's the like asking question. Santa for every <laughs> present not? ever and getting yeah. them all. <laughs> That's right. Okay, so what have you been doing here in Australia then? In Australia, I started working uh, in a place called, um, I've forgotten, Toronto area up there. Uh, we worked there in a church, and then I got called down to Victoria, worked in a church, and then they actually asked me to be responsible for the whole of the Seventh-day Adventist church in South New South Wales. So anything, that, anything south of Sydney, right on to Aubrey and over to um, Broken Hill, which is a huge territory. Uh, so I'm looking after the pastors and the organization there in this area. a massive territory. You mm. must clock up it's some a, um, kilometers each year yeah, with, a, with yeah. a parish that big. About 40,000 if I travel a lot. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay, so uh, oh, we've just got a little bit of time left. But um, the, the, the Grey Nomads camp that we're yep, at here. Yep. Um, how long has this been running for? For the last six years, we did that. We felt, uh, actually, we started because we have these big camps happening uh, every January in the year. And a good, good number of people are coming, but it's mainly the middle-aged. And the old folks always said, uh, no, we can't come because it's a um, farm or issues too hot. And then we thought, okay, let's do a camp for older people at the end of the year when it's not that hot anymore, or, yeah, rather autumn, it's not hot anymore. And so that's how it started. And uh, so six years on, we're doing this now. Fantastic. Yeah. It's a great atmosphere that you have at this it camp. Is. It's, it is. It's, it's, it's the one thing that um, anybody who comes to Grey Nomad South 
you know, because we've got Grey Nomads uh, in, in uh, Stuart's Point as well, and that's a that's a big one. Yep. But anyone who comes here, everyone comes back because they like the atmosphere. Mm. It's casual, yep. it's relaxed, everybody's sitting around and just having, you know, just a fantastic time together. And so, yeah, we're actually here enjoying one of uh, your initiatives. So that's um, that's incredibly exciting. Praise God for that. Um, Mike, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. It's a pleasure. Um, and uh, we wish you God's blessing with all of your future pursuits, wherever God takes you from here. But right now we're going to move on with the show. And we have a song coming up, and the sun is blazing through the window, so I can't even read what it is. But I know that you are going to enjoy it, and we'll be back with our Encounter with God.
Forgiveness. It's easier said than done. But there's a program called Forgive to Live, designed to help us all improve our lives and discover the healing power of forgiveness. So if you're keen to take that first step, head to forgivetolive.org.au. Hey, Mon. Mm-hmm. Do you believe in miracles? Look, if God can change my life, I think I definitely believe in miracles. Okay, so the Hamilton Seventh-day Adventist Church is making a difference in its community. Oh yeah, how? Well, it's worshipping together, loving together, learning together, and above all, preparing for Jesus to return together. Ooh, that sounds good. When's all this happening? Bible studies start at 10 a.m., service at 11 a.m., and guess what that's followed by? Or is it this free lunch I keep hearing about? Absolutely. (laughs) Well, please join us at the Hamilton Seventh-day Adventist Church. Our address is 105 Lindsay Street, Hamilton, New South Wales. Every Saturday morning where you will be welcomed with a smile. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Fly away Some glad morning 